the loss of Bob DeRoe, one of the men behind the magic of Schoolhouse Rock at the age of 94, the Danish inventor who got a life sentence for the murder of a journalist on his homemade submarine, and VA pick Ronnie Jackson getting his confirmation hearing delayed and then ultimately canceled for conduct unbecoming of an officer, a doctor, and a general human being. Those are some pretty big stories from this week, but not top 10 stories, not in the tops as per you on social media. So what stories did you say were in the top 10? That in just a moment here on the weekly wrap-up show from This is a Conversation on the week ending April 28, 2018. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne. This is the weekly wrap-up show. It goes through social media and lets you decide what stories are the tops for the week. What stories are the most important stories that aren't being overblown, overcovered, and blown out of proportion by some of the mainstream media, at least here as you see in the United States. This is brought to you by and through the website, thisisaconversation.com, and specifically through the social media feeds attached to it. That is on Twitter, TH underscore conversation, and on Facebook, search for This Is The Conversation, and make sure we are set to come up in your feed so you don't miss out on our post. Why is that? Well, as you see our feeds on Twitter and on Facebook, the posts in our feeds, you say, you can see various stories from various organizations that are the news stories that are happening around the world, literally around the world. And you get a chance to decide which stories are really important to y'all. And it's simple. Just reply, react, like, love, hate, share, do whatever you need to do to play around with the feed, if you will, and play around with the specific posts in the feed. And everything that gets interacted as an engagement gets tallied into a spreadsheet. Some magic happens. I don't, I'm not sure how it works out, but the math works out, and we get a top 10 list. Actually, a top 10 to 127 this week, 127 specifically different stories on the week. And we'll count them down, the first 10 at least, and then we'll come back and tell you which one almost didn't make the list, an almost relevant story. That's going to be 127 this week, followed by wrapping up with the top 15 that's 11 through 15 and as many other stories in between as you have time left in the show so let's go ahead and get in with that one shall we number 10 story this week is a large media story and while you may not care about radio or sports radio in particular or even the new york markets this is a bigger deal than it probably should be but it's a pretty big deal for those like me who actually work in radio the headline for the story for 10 is the early plan for Mike Francesca's complicated fan return, WFAN return, I should say specifically. And this is about a radio host, a talk show host, a sports talk show host, a legendary talk show host. Can't say that enough times for New York's WFAN. It's the first sports station ever in existence. And Mike Francesca was one of the first big time sports hosts nationwide, even though he was based in New York City. Now, Mr. Francesca left the air about six months ago after doing this thing for WFAN for a long time. Uh, some complicated things happened inside the station, and he was given a chance to stick around, but he wanted a big raise. They wouldn't do that, so he got a farewell tour instead. Last couple of days, he's been hinting about coming back to radio, mostly because people believe he was just bored and needs something to do. And the plan was to bring him back to the station that got rid of him. However... 
They hired three other people to take his spot, so that makes it a bit more complicated in how that's going to happen. And so far, there's no real plan exactly, or at least we're not sure exactly how it's going to happen. But we're pretty sure he's going back to his old stomping grounds. This so says the New York Post because it's tabloid fodder for them. Now, what does it mean in the bigger scale for me, a guy in radio trying to break into larger schemes and larger markets? Well, here's the problem. Uh, as the millennials are now finding out and the Gen X folks knew all along, baby boomers are not getting out of the way for us to take over uh, the places. And while they have every right to stick as long as they want to, it gets really hard when they leave and come back. Remember Jay Leno? He left The Night Show after a weird back and forth that had him get that show over David Letterman. Letterman leaves to another station. Of course, Jay Leno sticks The Night Show till he's kind of no longer wanted. They give the shot to Conan, who came off the then late show or late, late, late night. And then Jay Leno, after about three months of doing this weird thing in primetime, decided, no, I want my old job back. Get rid of the guy. And they did it. And then, of course, about a year later, Jay Leno's gone anyway. Gets really hard to move on in the business and broadcasting to the next best thing or next great thing, I should say, not necessarily best thing. If the old guys won't go away, if the old dogs won't slide out to the side, it's hard to put the new dogs in and get them trained, get things going. So while Mike Francesca, many would say it was already way past his prime, many people miss his voice and him falling asleep on the air in New York City. So he'll probably be back in his own time slot in some shape or fortune or fashion. We'll see exactly how that plays out for nationwide broadcasting and for New York City. The number nine story this week, moving on to the story we posted from USA Today with the headline, Michael Cohen to plead fifth in porn star case. This story was posted Wednesday, 25th of April, also same day as the Mike Francesca story was posted. Gets, gets a bump of response of 6.19% from the 10th story, that much more engagement. And we kind of know this story, and so we're going to go over it pretty quickly. Michael Cohen, of course, has agreed to plead the fifth in the porn star case. That is the case coming out of California, uh, where he's been sued by porn star Stormy Daniels uh, for all sorts of stuff. Essentially, uh, trying to get out of the non-disclosure agreement where she was paid $130,000, but it was not signed by the pseudonym of Donald Trump. So technically, she's saying Trump didn't sign it, so it's not good, even though it was signed by Cohen and she got the money. But he's pleading the fifth for that case because he's also being sued in New York where all this stuff was seized, and he's trying to keep away from getting things kind of screwy in those cases this whole thing has gotten way more complicated than it should have way too quickly but we're gonna have to deal with it for quite some time because it's not resolved yet stormy daniels believes she has the right to tell her story which she did there's a non-disclosure agreement saying that every time she breaks that disclosure she owes somebody a million dollars the somebody we believe is donald trump although it was like we said a pseudonym that it was placed under you can follow that story as much or as little as you want to. It's a real story and has real implications to a lot of things. So it gets covered, and you guys apparently wanted to see it covered, the nine story for this week. Covering the eight story with a headline, San Francisco Giants' Brandon Belt sees 21 pitches in at bat, 
most since at least 1988. This one we pulled off Fox News or Fox Sports, Fox News Sports section, uh, Sunday, April 22nd. This is a bumper response of 8.74% from the number nine story. Quickly from the headline in the story, uh, as we said, Brandon Belt got a chance to see the most pitches in the sense of the modern era. 21 pitches uh, in the, what was the, the, deemed an epic plate appearance against the Los Angeles Angels rookie right-hander, Ahame Barra. I totally butchered that. In the first inning on Sunday, uh, the most since records began in 1988. So we don't necessarily know if it's really the most, but since they've been keeping score, quote-unquote, this is what's there. The previous high was 20 pitches in a plate appearance, and that happened, uh, or at least since 1988. Houston's Ricky Gutierrez struck out against Cleveland's Bartolo Colon back in 1998, June 26th to be exact, and that's, of course, to uh, retro sheet where those pitches, where that stat came from. So here's how it went down. He was able to pepper the crowd with plenty of souvenirs. Uh, he filed off 11 straight pitches, two long fouls on the right field lane. He ended up lining out to the right fielder, Cole Calhoun, to end his appearance. Like we said, the most pitches seen at a bat since 1988, since they started counting how many were at bats. Moving to the seven story for this week, the headline on it is Comcast forces Disney Fox to decide how much Sky is worth. Posted on Wednesday, April 25th as well. A lot of Wednesday stories so far. A bumper response of 18.75%. From Bloomberg News is where we got the story. Quickly how this thing works out. Comcast is making things a little tough for the owners of Sky News. Uh, the package deal for Sky News, which is sort of wrapped up with Fox and Rupert Murdoch's holdings, but not quite. Fox wants to buy it and make it all his. Walt Disney Company wants to possibly buy it and make it all theirs to get a group a hold into the European market. And Comcast is making the bidding war a little bit crazier. Fox is now considering its options on what to do for the bid because Comcast bid $30 billion, and that is at a 16% premium to Fox's current bid. So Comcast right now the high bidder, although Fox is in the family, so it should seem like a better route. And as we said, Disney's in the deal as well. Who will buy out to win over the, the Sky News empire over in Britain? We shall see, or maybe we won't see so easily. We know these regulation things can take some time. Let's move on to the sixth story this week, which may be a precursor to a big story we're expecting to happen for next week. The headline, Kanye West tweet admiring controversial YouTuber Candace Owens sparks angry backlash and accusations that he is a, quote, black Donald Trump, unquote. We posted this on Sunday, April 22nd, bumper response from the seven story. and We've been going pretty high so far. 24.06%, that much more engagement from that one story. Now, we're going to go into this pretty quickly because we all know Kanye. We all have our opinions on Kanye, and most of us think he might have some issues mentally, even though he is quite the genius. But here is what happened. Kanye West started off the week by um, sending some admiring response tweets uh, to Candace Owen, who is a black YouTuber, black female YouTuber, who gives lots of love to Donald Trump and the current administration here in the U.S. So Kanye West basically said, gave her some props, which turned to people wondering what's going on with Kanye West, which turned to Donald Trump giving props to Kanye West, which turns to Kanye West giving props to Donald Trump, which turns to a whole slathering of all sorts of crazy things, including many other uh Black rappers, especially uh, black artists and black uh, actors, unfollowing Kanye West, some white people as well, uh, because they thought Kanye was going crazy and going down the dark side and was, quote unquote, 
in the sunken place. We all know about that stuff. Meanwhile, Kanye West keeps on doing Kanye West in a, in a sort of preview, we believe, for next week because we've seen a whole lot of responses uh, coming through. To be a full disclosure, we're actually recording this on Saturday as opposed to the normal Friday uh, for the week. So we have a, a little crystal ballish looking to the future. Kanye West is going to probably make the top 10 next week as he just dropped a new single with T.I. that is a bit controversial because it sounds a bit conservative or political at least. We'll see how that actually rolls out. But right now it is trending very high on Twitter and we'll see if it actually makes it into the top 10. I suspect it'll be somewhere middle 10 at this point. We have more than a few tragic stories in this week's top 10. And this is one that's really, really tragic and weird. And when we get down to it, the headline suspect in custody after van strikes multiple pedestrians in Toronto. Uh, we got this off the CNN uh, website. That's where this actual headline linking to on Monday, April 25th or April 23rd, should say bumper response of 34.55, percent from the sixth story. And this one gets really, really, really sick if you want to. That's the only way I can describe it. A van speeding down a Toronto sidewalk leaves 10 pedestrians dead ultimately. Uh, we've seen these sort of things happen before, but this is not a terroristic attack. This is not a more or less just crazy person going off. But this was a deliberate act by someone who... Uh, based someone who described himself as what was called an incel. And if you've never heard that term before, we'll get to that in a second. Let's get to the story first. From the CNN story, 10 people are dead and 15 are injured after the driver of a van plowed into multiple pedestrians in Toronto on Monday, what appears to be a deliberate act, Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders said. Saunders said a suspect driver, Alex Misiskin, 25, of Richmond Hill, Ontario, was in custody. Menesian, I'm sorry I butchered that, maybe I'm not sorry about you that, was arrested in the white rental van less than 30 minutes after police received a 911 call, Saunders said. Manassian was previously known to Toronto authorities, according to U.S. law enforcement official brief on the matter. Authorities said Manassian left a trail of destruction nearly a mile long north of Midtown Toronto. Now, what makes this thing even more tragic in this one is, as I said, the word incel, I-N-C-E-L. An incel is essentially a group of people, and it's an Internet thing for the most part, that call themselves involuntary celibate, which basically means a guy, mostly a guy, but someone who just can't get a date. Someone who's not having sex, and they believe for whatever reason they don't think they're attractive enough, they don't think they're cool enough, whatever. So they are celibate because it's involuntary, because they cannot get a date. So... They have a hatred for what they call Chads, guys who can't get dates, and Stacys who, of course, date Chads, like dating these guys. So why is this a big deal? Because there's apparently a very, very big deal on the Internet. A lot of, a lot of these types of pockets of groups and a lot of acts such as this being motivated by people who just can't seem to get a date. It's it's appalling. It's amazing. A group that I'm in had a big discussion on this, and it basically turned to a lot of people just staring at each other, weirdly wondering what's going on in the world. That's the only way to leave this. This act was unnecessary and just crazy, and the thought process behind it, for the most part, is even weirder. If you've never heard the term, well, now you are. I don't think you're necessarily better for it, but it's something that's out there, and now you know.
Moving on to the four story this week, proving that we are a bit more international than I thought it was. Uh, we go to a story out of London. Boy, three dies after drowning in David Lloyd's swimming pool because I literally posted it because it was trending and had no idea who David Lloyd was until we got this. As we as you see, it is the number four story in the countdown this week. We posted on Saturday, April twenty first. It gets a fifty five point four one percent bump in response from the Toronto guy driving the people the five story. These numbers get really high. We'll talk about that as we get towards the end of the count. But let's go to the story very quickly. Um, reading from the story, we bought it off, of, off the metro.co.uk website. A three-year-old boy has died after drowning in a swimming pool at the David Lloyd Leisure Center in Leeds. Emergency services were called to the David Lloyd branch in Tung Lang at 9.45 a.m. this morning following incident in the pool area. The boy was taken to Leeds General Infirmary but was pronounced dead shortly after. Officers are now appearing to appealing for information from anyone who was in the pool at the time. Detective Inspector James Entwistle of Leeds District CID said, This appears to be a tragic accident and the thoughts are with the boy's family at this extremely difficult time. Now, I had no idea what the David Lloyd's pool is, what's going on, how the thing goes. And all I have is the breakdown from the story from Saturday. So if anyone wants to go to the website at thisisaconversation.com or in the feeds for Twitter or Facebook and let me know why this is such a big deal, that would be great. What we do know is that this podcast, this show, does have a lot of appeal around the world overseas. A lot of people picking up on some of these stories and some of the really obscure to us stories, us being U.S. people, uh, really do get a big, big response when they come up at the right time which is why we're posting more stories uh, later in the day, evening for us, which is re- basically regular time of day for the other side of the world. Let us know how well we're doing or not doing with these things as we go along. The number three story is what we call a super story. This is one where we combine a couple of headlines, two literally this time, uh, that are in the mix. This happened a lot when there's a developing story that takes a few days to learn on something, and it helps the story grow into a larger story. Now, this one was going to be in the top ten regardless based on its placement on both of the headlines we had. But what happened was... When we added them two together, they made a higher jump. They both would have been around the lower 10 just from the statements that we had before. They are now the number three story together. The two headlines we posted this week were three killed at Waffle House in Tennessee and Waffle House shooter suspect Travis Reinking caught. This, of course, was a developing story over a couple of days, so the original posting date is lost in the mix. But this is a big story here in the States, and it goes to a larger narrative, which kind of got downplayed in the mix. But let's get to the basic story parts real quick on this one. By the way, the bump response from the four story was 12.75%. Of course, in a Waffle House in Tennessee, uh, three people were killed when a man wearing just a jacket essentially walked in with an assault-style rifle and started shooting up the place. He was stopped by a man who, as all accounts says, and he says himself, wasn't trying to be a hero, just basically trying to save himself, happened to be in the restroom when things started, and when the gun stopped firing a jam or reloading, he was able to uh, tackle the guy, Travis Ryan King, get him to the ground, and get him basically stop the shooting as then he fled. Ryan King essentially went home, uh, took off his jacket to show he was only basically wearing a shirt, and was on the run for a few days. He was caught a few days later, and the... 
this this I guess the fear uh, subsided. But here's the the craziness of this: Travis Ryan King was picked up earlier this year. Uh, at the White House grounds, he had made his way past a barrier and was basically on the White House grounds with a assault rifle uh, asking for a audience with the president. That obviously did not happen. They arrested him. They took away his gun. They gave the gun to his father for safekeeping and told him not to return the gun to the son who had some obviously mental issues. Somehow, the father returned the gun to the son and there's still some debate on how that hack happened or why that happened. And, of course, we now know this happens. Now, he's from the Chicago area, at least from Illinois. So he wasn't, quote, unquote, at home. But this thing turned into a very crazy situation, obviously very quickly, happening on an early morning on a Sunday when the shooting happened and going for about 34 hours or so in the manhunt for Travis Reinking. We will see how this thing plays out very soon. Our number two story this week, here's the headline. Heavy gunfire in Riyadh was a toy drone shot down near Saudi Royal Palace. Despite claims of coup, this one we posted on Saturday, April 25th. This was the highest response on Twitter this week. It gets a bump of response in total from the three-story of 5.91%. Very quickly, as we said, we're getting a lot of international stories uh, that mean something to Y'all, but might not mean quite as much to the us's here. Uh, there was a rumor of a attempted coup in um, in Rahadi, um, the Saudi Arabia, something outside the palace, some sort of attempted palace coup. And the gunfire that was heard, which they thought was a uh, coup, was told to be a toy drone that was shot down. Somebody flying a drone around, and as we hear in the states, don't like it very much. They've been shot down by random people with shotguns. Apparently, that also happened here in Saudi. There was no actual attempted coup. Or was there? The world may never know. And finally, the number one story this week, and we have to, we'll get to this in some of the housekeeping in the next segment, but let's just get the basic part of the story out right now. This story has the greatest response that I can ever remember for this format of the countdown, this format of the podcast. Uh, the story is it's amazing how simple and silly and just kind of just out there it was. In fact, it had no chance of making the count on its Twitter, uh, but the Facebook was so large. This was the largest Facebook, largest Facebook response, I think, ever, and it was just so massive that it num- not only made the number one spot, the jump in response from two to one was 236% from 1 to 10. That's the story on Mike Francesca. Uh, it was 1,245%. And for the almost relevant story, the 127 story we'll talk about in a bit, 3,123% more engagement than that one. That was just off the massive following on Twitter, including plenty of back and forth in the comments. The headline, Woman slapped with $500 fine for carrying free Delta Apple in bag. Yes, that's all it was. Now, let's get into the story. I'm going to do a very quick read from the Daily News, New York Daily News website. A woman was slapped with a $500 fine for carrying a free Apple Delta Airlines gave her on flight home to Colorado. 
Crystal Tadlock, Tadlock told KDVR-TV she wasn't hungry when the flight attendant gave out apples to passengers at the end of her trip from Paris this month. Remember that. She put the apple in her bag so she could eat it later. But when she went through customs, an agent pulled out the apple wrapped in a plastic bag with Delta logo on it. He had asked me if my trip to France was expensive, and I said yes, quote. She said, the TV station, continued the quote, I didn't really get why he was asking a question, and then he said, it's about to get a lot more expensive after I charge you $500. What happened? The Delta Apple was packaged and given from France. She flew back to the United States. She carried off the plane. So because it's customs, she carried fruit from one nation to another without permission. And that has a fine of $500. Oddly enough, the biggest response we got, or actually maybe not oddly enough, the biggest response we saw was from people on the other side of the pond who say, yes, because of the pesticides and the things used in farming here and there, there's a lot of weird laws over there as opposed to here. And it's kind of ridiculous that something like this would happen. But it happened. It was a story. It was a large story. It was the largest story for this week. So so you can determine what stories be large or not so large for the weeks. It's very simple on how you act with us here at This Is Conversation. Follow us on social media. Follow the website as well because we post the stories. A posting link from the Twitter feeds goes to the link so you can see it there. But follow the stories on social media. On Twitter, it is TH underscore conversation. On Facebook, it is This is a Conversation. And, of course, make sure we are set so we are going to be in your feed. Make us a primary example of what you're looking at. We are good news. We're not fake news. These are sites and links to reputable websites, reputable news sources. This is all good stuff, and we want your opinion. And to get your opinion, just like the stories, love the stories, hate the stories, laugh the stories, if you will. Respond, reply, do what you can to interact with the stories in your feed, and they get added up. You can see every vote really counted for this Facebook vote this week because it blew away the story about the $500 Apple find that came up this week. Coming up in the next segment, we'll do some housekeeping. We'll explain some of the insides to our super story and the big story on the Apple Fine. And I'll let you know which story of the top eight is the largest story for me. And good news, we'll talk about the possible comeback, soon comeback, of some interviews here on the Weekly Wrap-Up Show for the week ending April 28th, 2018. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. We are the Epic Film Guys, and we'd like just a moment of your time to talk about an extremely important event coming up this May. Last year, we hosted the live stream for The Cure, a 12-hour live stream fundraiser where we raised $2,500 for the Cancer Research Institute. 86 cents out of every dollar raised goes to research toward finding a cure. And this year, we're aiming to smash that goal, and we need your help to do it. Join us from May 18th through the 20th for 30 hours of amazing live stream content from us and a whole host of amazing podcasters who will be joining us to try to reach $5,000. For more information, please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference. This week, we're recording the show on the non-normal Saturday, the day we 
supposedly released the show for the week ending. And so we're recording this on Saturday, the 28th of April, as opposed to the 27th, the Friday before. Why? Well, life sort of got in the way. So we're taking a little extra time to do this a bit of a different way. It's more or less the right way, not rushing some things. We're taking a bit of a slower and steady pace for this week. So let me know how well you like the show this way, and we may do some adjustments in how we record. In fact, the thought process is possibly recording it on Thursday to have it ready to do all the technical stuff on Friday, the editing and whatnot, and then still releasing it for Saturday because the hard part is really the recording part and gathering parts, although we do miss out on a lot of the news stories from Friday from going into Thursday. Thursday morning to Friday morning or Thursday night to Friday morning, because sometimes a really big story will pop up that will be massive and get into the top 10 because of the placement. So we don't necessarily want to lose that, but we'll see how it works out with the responses. So you let us know how well we're doing with this stuff and we'll see what we should do to adjust for that. In the meantime, I offered up to you some thoughts on the super story and on the story for the $500 Apple fine. Let's start with the super story first. How that happened was we had a headline that was competing, or not so much competing, had headlines or stories that was a breaking story that was developing. So one was a story about the guy shooting up the Waffle House. The second was him being captured, and it may have been a third or fourth one in the middle somewhere. Sometimes we lose track of some of the smaller ones because of where they are. We keep a grand eye on the ones near the top to make sure that we are gathering as many of them in there. We don't want duplicate headlines, essentially duplicate stories to take up the top 10. doesn't make any sense. So we combine the two and make them a larger part of the story because essentially they're the same story in different places, different placements. So that's how it got to be in the higher end of this week, as opposed to being two stories that were somewhere between 8 and 12-ish. They turned out to be one story together that turned out into the number three spot, obviously. Now, the number one story, as we said, it's very important that it's you follow us along on Facebook and Twitter because you see the same stories about the same period of time. We post them uh, about the, uh, auto post them. So they kind of go in within about a minute or two of each other. So when one story gets posted on one social media site, it's there. And in the past, we have favored Twitter responses because they just seem more immediate and more easier to keep up with. That wasn't grammatically correct, but that is what we're going to say. This time, it turned out really, really, really important that the Facebook response was there. There are a lot of cases where the Facebook plus the Twitter make a story that much bigger, and it will push it into the top ten, and so we'll, we'll, say, we'll say that oftentimes. This is the, the greatest response to a story, not, maybe not ever, but in uh, definitely in recent memory, since we've been doing this this way, and now next year when we do our year review story is going to be a whole different add-on because we've added some features into the algorithm to keep up with what's going on. So it's going to be different than last year's sort of ad hoc when we just sort of created it. But it's very important that if you love the conversation, love being a part of what's going on, that you follow the stories in both feeds if you're a Twitter and a Facebook user. And if you see one one place and see it someone the other other place, someone the other place, see another one on another place and think, ah, I responded to it on one end, it's sometimes very important to respond both times. Just do a quick like to take care of that, and that should make it all work out. 
Now, we took a little extra time with the countdown this week, so I'm going to be wrapping this part up really shortly. I did say we would be hopefully returning to soon to some interviews. I've already lined up some possible interviews for the near future, and the issue, as always, is timing and scheduling. Now, if we shift the timing of the recording, that may help out as well, but the window is we have to have a top 10 list, and that's what we go for in playing the brackets. Then we sort of have to have a top 10 list to go through in the news of the week to keep it relevant. We'll figure that part out as quickly as we can. Now, very quickly, let's go to the big story of the week, my big story of the week. And out of the top eight, which means we could not count the Michael Cohen fifth plea and Mike Francesca, which I went ad nauseum in the countdown earlier, it turned out to be, after the shifting and shuffling, it turned out to be the Toronto collision, the guy driving the van, striking the pedestrians, killing 10 people in the process. And it, not so much the fact that it happened, the story like that. We've seen too many of these lately, mostly for weird Islamic radical type stuff. But the thought process behind this was the incel thing. Me not knowing what an incel was, me not having a reason to, and now that I know it's a term, it's a group, it's a thing, why are these people not terrorists? Why aren't people who act out in this way because literally they're not getting laid? Why aren't they classified as a group to be to be kept up with? And maybe some of them do have other issues that make them a bit undesirable to the opposite sex. Maybe they're just lonely and just not very well, you know, socially adept. But just because I couldn't get a date for a long stretch in my early 20s, I didn't go around trying to murder people. So why people believe this is something they have a right to, it makes absolutely no sense. Coming up. What is the headline for story number 127 this week? And wrapping up the top 15 plus whatever in between for the weekly wrap-up show for the week ending April 28th, 2018. On the Podcast Rodeo Show, we grab a random podcast and see how long we can hang on, and I give you a real-life first impression. Didn't expect that. Am I all right? This is not your grandpa's uh, faith podcast. I'm digging it so far. Um, we discussed how cheesecake is actually a really great thing to have in your home. Okay, you, you had me, and you said you, you brought her on because she knows this cool survival stuff, and then you didn't tell me the other things that she's going to tell me about, and now you're talking about cheesecake. Um... So we didn't really have anything to talk about. We were going because this episode is coming out on Black Friday. We're... And that, my friends, is the phrase that pays. The minute you go, ah, I'm not really sure what I'm going to talk about. I am out of here because that means that you're going to waste 45 minutes of my time. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, first of all, great intro. Here's the key to this. I want to hear the rest of this episode. Do you? I do. The Podcast Rodeo Show. Find it at podcastrodeoshow.com.
Quick thank you to all the folks who listen to the Conversations Weekly Wrap-Up Show. And special thanks going out to some spotlights on Facebook follower Maldonado Slim and on Twitter new follower AARP Goddess. Uh, thank you for listening, for following, and of course listening this long, hopefully you listen this long, uh, for keeping up with what's going on in our conversations. If you want to be shouted out, it takes not much other than just to follow and to contribute because then I know you've actually been active for the week and the sticker for the time and we'll see how this works out we're trying some new things and hopefully it works out in engagement of course if you want to get a hold of me just send me a simple email to info at jcovenpain.net we'll work on setting up a specific this is the conversation email address that probably will just take five minutes of actually doing it or go to the website this is conversation.com and reply to whatever post you see out there and we'll find it we'll talk about it let us know what we can do to get better what we're doing to make it worse and all that stuff. Very quickly, running out of time, we'll go to the almost relevant story this week. That is headline number 127. The headline for this week reads as this. Army takes 1,000 recruits with bipolar self-mutilation history. Now, what's that mean? Well, first, we posted this on Thursday, April 26th, so it was running out of time as it was posted for the week, week ending uh, basically on the 27th and then releasing this on the 28th. There have been waivers for about a thousand recruits in the last year or so who have showed up, uh, shown signs of bipolarism. That's not a real word. And people who have shown actual self mutilation issues, people who have hurt themselves, harmed themselves with cutting and things like that. The Army is taking in what you could say are not the greatest recruits in the world. And now that's for lots of reasons. Number one, the Army is always has issues in the last, I'll say, 15 years or so, probably further back since Vietnam War times after the draft is over in taking in volunteers. And as economies go good or as wars go bad, there are less people who are willing to get into the Army as a career field. Now, if the Army is a great way to learn and get trained or the military itself, great place to learn and be trained and go off and do other things. And if you are able to go a full 20 years and get your retirement, that's double money for you right there. But you have to survive the whole tra- training treatment. And in the extensive, I think we've been basically in a ongoing war situation for over a decade, definitely over a decade. It may not be a declared war, but we're sending people to fight at various places over and over again. That puts a lot of fatigue on people who want to be in. So while they're not necessarily placing these people, hate to say these people, not placing these people in totally stressful situations, they're filling out some of the personnel roles and some things that won't see any real danger. They're filling up with people who normally would not qualify or would be very strangely screened out if they did. If you have a problem with that, you can take it up with your local recruiter and offer him some other better choice to get into the military. So let's round out the top 15 with headlines and as much yak as we can with the 15. Uh, number 11, Bob Duro, schoolhouse rock performer and writer, dies at ni- 94 years of age. What I didn't know was that Bob Duro was actually from the state I'm living in right now, Arkansas. Uh, he was a writer from then and got wrapped up into the schoolhouse rock thing and was able to rock that thing for a long time. People of my age know schoolhouse rock from actually watching it live when cartoons were on on Saturday mornings. People of a younger age, maybe 10 years or younger, remember seeing Schoolhouse Rock played in the beginning of the YouTube age and, of course, uh, playing on, on CDs and DVDs and whatnots for tr- there. 
kids my daughter's age have no idea what it's going to be. Uh, but we'll see if there's something to take its place. Just like after-school specials were a thing, now they're not even worth saying a joke because nobody even knows what, what they actually are. The number 12 story this week, Tom Brokaw denies misconduct claimed by ex-NBC anchor. The Me Too movement is reaching in and at this point maybe just kind of losing steam because it's just reaching at various random folks. Whether Tom Brokaw actually did what is accusing him or not, we will see down the line. But he has also been accused of misconduct by a former anchor at NBC News. Danish inventor Peter Madsen given life sentence for murdering journalist Kim Wall on his submarine. This is the 13th story this week. Journalist Kim Wall discovered dead, mutilated actually, um, a few months ago. And this mystery on how this thing happened has been ongoing. And, of course, we found the answer. They they indicted uh, inventor D- Peter Madsen, who, of course, brought her on his submarine that he made himself and killed her on the submarine. He has a life sentence for that crime. It That's just a weird one. Moving on to the number 14 story this week, VA Secretary Ronnie Jackson confirmation hearing delayed con mid-conduct questions. Um, this one got even worse because his he was pulled. He officially pulled his name out of consideration, even though after he was going to stay on. Uh, and it was the, the weirdest aw shucks like moment for a guy who, you know, was nominated for not really being qualified. He said, sure, I'll do it. Then they started pushing back and he was like, no, I'm not giving this bad boy up. And then a talk with the president basically said this thing had to happen. Now, the biggest issue with this is they fired a VA secretary that was doing OK and while the VA hasn't been fixed by a long run, it's been improving or was improving. And then they fire him to fire the guy running it to hire a good looking doctor who said that Trump could live to be 200, which is basically his biggest qualification. He gave Trump a compliment. The problem that he had was after the the vetting process of the White House has said, yeah, this guy's a great guy. Let him do it. The actual vetting process happened for confirmation find out that he has a history of weird conduct as being the head of the White House medical staff, including handing out prescription drugs like they were candy, quotes from many people, and being drunk and belligerent and unresponsive in many cases while on the job on duty, including a time where he allegedly crashed a vehicle because he was under the influence. He is denied all those things, but he eventually did drop his, his bid to be the VA secretary. Who's in line now? Who knows? Maybe I'll get the call at this point. And the 15th story, Arizona teachers to walk out in first ever statewide strike. And this happened uh, Friday, April the 20th, was the day we posted the story. And it happened because without trying to sound flip, the big thing that's going on right now are mass teacher strikes. Not that they are necessarily a bad thing or a thing that is not getting the work job done awareness of teachers and their pay in various states, various places, but it's just what it is. Large mass groups of essentially unions do it all the time. They go on strike to make a point and the teachers unions and teachers across many states are doing this and apparently getting their point across because it's happening more and more often. So it means it's a more and more effective way of getting a point across. So, to get my final point across, I want to thank you very much for being a part of the show this week. We cannot do a show where we talk about the news that you choose without you choosing the news. So thanks again for being a part of the process. 
The process is important. To be a part of the process, don't forget, all you have to do is follow us on social media. TH underscore conversation is us on Twitter, and this is a conversation on Facebook. Also, our main website, this is the conversation.com. We also post things there as well, so you can keep up what's going on with us and with y'all in a sense. Make sure you like, love, respond to the posts as they come through. And the more they get engaged, the higher they rate in the score for the week. Now, wrapping things up for the week, as many stories, headlines we can pop in for the time we have allotted. Starting off with another issue with Delta Airlines where they allegedly tied a woman with MS to a wheelchair after her flight. Also, HUD Secretary Ben Carson is proposing to triple the rent for some low-income Americans uh, who are receiving housing subsidies because people should pay their fair share, and he thinks a fair share is three times what they're paying right now. The Golden State Killer being uh, identified as 72-year-old ex-cop, and so far they're not sure why he actually stopped killing people, but he was able to get a long way with this for so long. The Mexican students that were missing uh, were found killed dissolved in acid after being mistaken identities. That's another odd one for this week. A lot of just weird ones hopping in this week. Diamond and Silk went to Congress. The ladies went and sat in front of Congress to uh, talk about some stuff, and they just basically did their act in front of Congress, which if you get their act, you get their act. Will Wheaton gave a very staunch testimony about taking antidepressants, and then people described this as being spot on, essentially saying that his dealing with his depression and his mental illness was like being in a very loud room with a couple doors that he couldn't see, and taking antidepressants allowed him to see where the doors were and leave the loud room, something that a lot of people who deal with taking antidepressants can always attend to. Some former NFL cheerleaders offered to to settle their discrimination suit for just $1. Yes, there were some strings attached to that. What is actually my favorite story of the week is Melania Trump, who wore a large, giant, huge, mungus white hat on a during a speech with uh, the Macrons and the Trumps during the French's uh, state visit, and the world was mesmerized by said hat. Trump is probably going to pardon boxing legend Jack Johnson based off the the nudging of Sylvester Stallone. Nothing wrong with that. And if you are a fan of the WeWork people, documents show that they owe about $18 billion in rent and are not doing as great as a company as we are led to believe. We are out of time for this week. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Make sure you respond to the post in social media so that you can get your vote in and be here next week. Share the podcast with friends, enemies, and random strangers so we get the best people having the best conversations every single week. Thank you once again, and we'll see you next week.